We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1 this morning, but if you'll give me just a little bit of grace, I want to detour through the book of Ephesians on our way there. Now, you can go ahead and open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, no problem with that at all. I'm going to put a passage of Scripture from Ephesians up on the screen. Now, here's why I'm doing that. Because we're using this morning, just for that particular passage, the New International Version of the Bible. Traditionally, and you'll hear it a little bit later in the message, I am preaching from the English Standard Version. But I like the way the NIV reads with this particular passage. And in fact, there is one specific term that I really like from this translation. The New Living Translation will use the exact same terminology. Now, so that you won't miss what I'm talking about, we'll highlight that specific phrase as we go through this. So now you're open to Colossians chapter 1, loved listening to all those Bibles turning pages. If you would, direct your attention up onto the screens now. This is Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Paul writes, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Anything stand out to you yet? There's the highlight. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's just go back up to this highlighted phrase. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I love the way Paul encourages us to make the most of every opportunity. Now, when you see that in light of everything that he just wrote in this passage, it almost comes across as a command. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't be unwise. Live as the wise. Make the most of every opportunity. But look at why he tells us to do that. Because the days are 
evil. If ever there was a time where this passage of Scripture is applicable, it seems to me that today might be that time. The days all around us appear to be evil. We have opportunities to do something with the gift of the gospel that has been given to us. And we need to make sure that we really do make the most of every opportunity placed in front of us. That's what wisdom would do. So we need to do it. And there are a lot of different ways that we could go with this teaching. This morning, I want to lay it over Colossians chapter 1 and one particular section of that and show you how you can make the most of every opportunity by praying for other people. Now listen to that. Making the most of every opportunity by praying for other people. And as we go through it, I'm going to show you a pattern that Paul gives us for praying for other people. Let's just go ahead and get into it. We're going to take this idea of making the most of every opportunity and lay it over Colossians chapter 1. If you have your Bible open there, just join me, starting in verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." Now, I really like what Paul is doing here. He is giving us a pattern for praying for people that we do not know. Let me remind you that when he wrote this letter to the church in Colossae, he was writing to a group of people he had never met. He knows their pastor. His name is Epaphras. Epaphras brought him word about the attacks this church in Colossae, a place that was very near and dear to Epaphras's heart. He brought the Apostle Paul word of the attacks that they were under. But Paul had never met these folks. He only knew one or two of them. Yet he prays a very direct, very specific, very powerful prayer for them. Now, if you have no idea what we're talking about, then you can go online, either through the church app or on our website, and you can listen to last week's message, and it'll catch you up to speed on why it is that Paul doesn't know these folks, yet a letter that is dedicated to them, written specifically to them, comes their way. So you can go back and catch up on all of that and encourage you to do so. But for today, just the sake of this message, bear in mind Paul doesn't know these people, yet he chooses, he chooses to make the most of every opportunity and to pray for them. I love the fact that he does that. I really do. For a number of people, that is a difficult task. To pray for other folks when we have never met them is a difficult task. 
We have a family in the church that moved here from Georgia just recently, and not long after they moved here, the town that they left in Georgia was hit by some very severe storms. There was loss of property and loss of lives among those that they loved, those that they knew very dearly. It was a privilege to pray for those folks that we had never met. It was a privilege for me to be able to pray for those folks that I had never met. One of the reasons that I take that seriously and encourage you to do the same is so that we don't fall into the easy trap of promising things that we won't follow through with. I like the way Paul would encourage us to avoid that trap. Take a look at this. Let no one deceive you with empty words. And a lot of times, some of the emptiest words that we can offer to people sound like this. I'll pray for you, or I'll pray for them. We say that almost flippantly. Somebody brings a need to you, and particularly if it's about people that you do not know, and you flippantly say, well, I'll pray for them. And then very quickly, you forget that promise. Or you tell them, I'll pray for you, even somebody that you do know. And very quickly, you forget that promise. Well, those are hollow and empty words. Those are deceitful words. We have to work very hard to avoid that trap. As Christians, I believe that is of the utmost importance. Avoid that trap, particularly when it comes to praying for somebody. If you tell them you'll pray for them, pray for them. Now, I am not ignorant to this fact. Praying can be very daunting for some people. Praying for people we do not know can be very daunting for a lot of people. A fellow named Greg Pruitt, who is the director of Pioneer Bible Translators, that's a mission that we support, love that we are a part of that mission. They are dedicated to translating the Word of God into known languages all around the world. They have been very active in that for a long time, and I love the fact that Libby Christian Church supports that ministry, and we support it very well. Well, Greg Pruitt is the director of Pioneer Bible Translators, and he wrote possibly the most impactful book on prayer I have ever read. It's titled very simply, Extreme Prayer. It is direct, it is purposeful, it is convicting, it is all kinds of different things. And it's an easy read, it's fairly small. Well, in his book, Extreme Prayer, Greg Pruitt would say this, Prayer is a challenge for most of us. Some of us have never been taught what to do. Others are not convinced of the power of prayer. I consider myself a man of action, and prayer doesn't look like action. Many of us would rather work to get something done than pray. Oh, I appreciate his honesty for so many folks. That is a true statement. Even though we might try to dress it up by saying the act of prayer is daunting, when we peel away all the layers of that onion, that's what we're left with. We're not sure it works. We're not sure we should pray. We're not sure that anything changes when we do pray. And then when we apply that to praying for people we've never met, we very probably will never hear the effects of those prayers. So why pray? Pruitt goes on to further describe this challenge for all of us with these words. We might be tempted to look at long prayer times as navel-gazing. What's the point? What's the purpose? 
oh, there's a point and there is a purpose. There is a command for this and there is a pattern to follow. So if you're one of those folks who would say long patterns of prayer or praying for people that I've never met or just following through with that promise to pray, just, it just doesn't land on me or it never has landed on me and stuck with me and therefore I don't do it and because I don't do it, I don't know how to do it and so don't ask me to do it. That's the conversation we could have if we were just sitting face to face one on one. Then I want you to take a deep breath, just a deep breath and go, ah. God's going to show me how to do this. And the Apostle Paul does. In Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul shows us how to pray for people that we have never met. And he does it in one of the most powerful ways I think you can ever find. In fact, he does it with 10 different steps. 10 different steps. We could easily title this, How to Pray for People We Do Not Know. 10 different levels to it. Now, most often, when we are asked to pray for people that we have never met, people that we do not know, it's because they have a crisis in their life. Like my friends in Georgia, there was a crisis, and so we were asked to pray for that. Or somebody is dealing with health issues. By all means, pray for those health issues. Ask God to do what God does. If healing is appropriate, ask God for healing. If mercy and tenderness are called for, then you ask God for mercy and tenderness. No question about that. Pray for their physical well-being. Pray for the crisis that they are facing. But don't stop there. Don't let that be the end of your prayer. And by all means, do not allow yourself to be caught in the easy pattern of simply saying, Lord, please bless them. When we pray, Lord, please bless them prayers, we're throwing out such an ambiguous prayer that we are very safe, but the recipients of that prayer, the people that we're praying for, are probably going to receive nothing. Now, I know that sounds strange to you to hear a preacher say that, but that's the truth. When we say, Lord, please bless this person, we're not asking anything of God. So ask God for things. Paul did in Colossians chapter 1, 10 10 things. And you might think, I didn't see those 10. Well, go back to Colossians chapter 1 and look close. Now, I'm going to allow these 10 things to just build for you as we go through this. You're going to see them. So watch up on the screen. Hopefully, Chelsea is able to stay with me as we come across these. They're going to come really fast. Here we go. Verse 9, and so from the day we heard that we have heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. There's one. That you will be filled with the knowledge of his will. By the way, in my Bible, I have a little number next to each one of these. I just wrote them so that I can go back anytime I am challenged to pray for somebody that I do not know. I want to go back to Colossians chapter 1 and pray these 10 things. So I just wrote a little number in my Bible next to each one. So number one, we are praying that you'll be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom. So we're asking for knowledge and now wisdom. And here's number three, and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, there's number four. Fully pleasing to him, there's number five. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, there's seven. 
May you be strengthened with all power, eight, according to the glorious might of all endurance, nine, and patience and joy, giving thanks to the Father, there's ten. Ten things. Now, as you go through that passage, you may find others that you would add to it. With the guys that I pray with on Sunday mornings, there were a couple others that were listed. This is just my breakdown of this passage. So if you have 13 things, good for you. I had 10 as I went through this. Take a look at these again in light of praying for people that you've never met, people that you may never meet. Take a look at this. I'm praying for the knowledge of God's will. I'm praying for spiritual wisdom. I'm praying for understanding. I'm praying that they may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm praying that they will live lives that are fully pleasing to Him. I'm praying that they will bear fruit in every good work. I'm praying that they will increase in their knowledge of Him, that they will be strengthened in all power, that they will have all endurance and patience wrapped together with joy, that they might be able to give thanks to the Father. Wow. Now see how that changes how we might pray for people that we have never met? When you have 10 layers like that, you're giving God really something to respond to. You are placing requests before God that He can answer. And they're powerful ones. If just one of those comes into a person's life, look how it might change them. If all 10 come into their lives, look how it will transform them. Now, He gives us a pattern like this that we can follow, but then He sets the stage for us to understand some deep biblical teaching. I would say that he takes all 10 of these things and he compresses them into a word. And it's not necessarily a biblical word. It is a worldly word that has a biblical synonym. That word is totally unique. Even in scripture, it is totally unique. Here it is. Let's go to verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I'm going to put this word up on the screen for you. He has qualified you. You know, for many believers, that is a foreign word. I'm not going to ask you to do this, but if I were to ask you to raise your hands in answer to this question, how many of you feel qualified to pray for other people? We may not see very many hands go up. Because a lot of people, when it comes to talking about their relationship with Christ, they don't feel qualified to even be in that relationship, let alone help bring other people into it. And that is such a misnomer. You know, the truth is this. We all come before Christ unqualified, but God qualifies the unqualified that we might be qualified. And that's what Paul's talking about right here. You want to know how he qualifies us? It's so simple. He does it through his son, Jesus Christ. That's how God qualifies us. And then he lays out all these opportunities for us so that we can make the most of them because we are qualified to do so. But it isn't just in the realm of praying for other people that folks in the modern church feel unqualified. 
These are just from conversations that I have had through the years. So they're very personal. They have come to me very personally. So I'm not just grabbing things out of the air when I lay these five things out for you. I've had people tell me that they are unqualified to encourage anyone else in forgiveness because they have too much unforgiveness in their own life. So they can't encourage anybody else because they are unqualified to do so. It's a pretty common thing to have people say, I am not qualified to lead anyone else into a relationship with Jesus. I'm not a minister. Therefore, I'm not going to do anything. Well, I might offer to you that you might not be a minister, but Peter would teach that we're all priests in the kingdom of God. You are qualified to tell other people what the Lord has done for you. On a pretty regular basis, I have people that will tell me, I'm not qualified to go on a missions trip. I have nothing to offer. (laughs) Then you don't realize what God has given you, and you can't see those things. Ask God to lift the blinders from you so that you can see how you can be actively involved in the Great Commission, carrying the gospel to other people in other places. You ask the Lord to show you that. I've had people tell me that they are not qualified to speak out against sin because they have too much sin in their own life. So they choose instead to remain silent. And that can be tragic on many levels, personal, national, whatever the case might be. We are qualified in Christ to be able to call sin, sin. And I've had people tell me that they are not qualified to serve in the church because they just don't feel like they have anything that makes them special. So they choose to do do nothing at all. My friends, when you choose to do that, you're ignoring the fact that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you have given your life to him and been baptized into him, then you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit within you given to you to build up the body of Christ. So to say that you're not qualified is to say to the Holy Spirit that he overlooked you. To say that you're not qualified is to say to God that he doesn't love you the same way he loves others. Oh, you're qualified. You're qualified. Now this word qualified is such an interesting one because let me say again, God qualifies the unqualified all the time. Just read the Bible and you will see what God has done with the unqualified. He has qualified them. Now the biblical synonym for this word qualified, this one maybe is a little more difficult for some of us to grasp, but if we can wrap our minds around it, we can understand the depth of teaching that goes with it. The word that we would most often find in the Bible that can be interchanged with Paul's word qualified in Colossians chapter 1 is the word justified. Here it is up on the screen. Now a lot of times we talk in terms of salvation, and we should, but there are two other words that go with salvation. One is sanctification. The word sanctification is the process of becoming like Christ. But then the third word is justification, or we could call it qualification. Justification is what Jesus did for us. That's what he did for us. We are justified before the Lord. We are qualified before God because of what Jesus did for us. Listen to this pretty good working definition of justification. 
an act of God by which those who are unrighteous in themselves are nevertheless declared righteous before God. Justification is a deliverance from the penalty of sin and is a past action for all believers accomplished by Christ at the cross. I'm going to read that for you one more time because I want it to stick. It's an act of God by which those who are unrighteous in themselves, unqualified in themselves, are nevertheless declared righteous before God. They are qualified before God. Justification, qualification, is a deliverance from the penalty of sin and is a past action for all believers accomplished by Christ at the cross. So you are qualified because you are justified because of what Jesus did for you. Now that's a game changer. That is a game changer. No matter what it is that we face in front of us, this call from God to do certain things, no matter what that is, if God has called us to do it, then we are qualified to do it because Jesus took care of it. And if you still allow the past sins of your life or even your present struggles to be the defining aspect of who you are, you are diminishing what Jesus did on the cross. And if you allow that to keep you from praying for other people, if you allow those things to keep you from petitioning God on behalf of others, you're doing the same for them. You're leaving them stuck where they're at. Don't leave them stuck. Don't leave them stuck. And whatever you do, don't stay stuck where you're at because the Lord has qualified you. He has qualified you. What an interesting term. If you are a note taker, a highlighter, then let me encourage you to circle that word in Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 so that it stands out in your Bible. And if you're not at a place where you can accept that that is truth about you, then you, you've got to talk to somebody. You've got to sit down and visit with somebody so that they can help you, so that we can help you understand what the Lord has done for you through His Son, Jesus. So then when you have opportunities that are put in front of you by the Lord, you can make the most of them. And if those opportunities involve praying for other people and having influence in their lives because you have influence in the throne room of God, then nothing can stand in your way. And you can begin to say, Lord, I'm asking for you to do for them what you have done for me. And you can add that to Paul's 10 things. Greg Pruitt in that book that he wrote called Extreme Prayer makes this statement. I like it a lot. Even as we pray God's power, even as we pray God's power would be evident in His people, we need to be specific. Why do we tend to pray with so little precision anyway? Could it be that we pray broad, hesitant prayers because our faith is so fragile that it might waver if we discovered God didn't answer a specific prayer? That says more about our faith than about Him. God wants to build our faith, but we make that difficult if we don't give Him a chance to dazzle us with His omnipotence. We must make our request explicit. Paul did. Colossians chapter 1, 10 different explicit requests. He put them all before God. Follow the same pattern. Follow the same pattern as you pray for other people. 
And if the stumbling block for you is your own faith, then maybe you have to wrestle through to the point that you can understand that it isn't a God problem. It's a you problem. So make sure that gets solved. Make sure that gets settled. And the church is here to help with that. We long to help with that, that you might see what the Lord has done for you through his son Jesus. And after that, you'll be positioned to make the most of every opportunity, including those of prayer. As we close out our service, I want you to know that our prayer room is open. All you have to do is make your way over there and Deanie will be there. He'll meet you. He'll pair you up with somebody. It could be that what you need to go and pray about today has to do with you. Maybe you need to go and pray that the barriers, the, the stumbling blocks in your own faith can be lifted. Go, go do that. And if you just want to pray by yourself, go to the prayer room and, and pray about that. There's something powerful in just stepping forward. Step forward and pray about that. Maybe you want somebody to pray with you because you long for the accountability of knowing that somebody else is praying for you. A few minutes ago, there were people praying for you. Maybe that just warmed your heart and you'd like to have that continue as you ask them to pray about specific things. You're going to be that bold. You know that there's something standing between you and the Lord and you need somebody to intercede on your behalf. Well, go to the prayer room and pray about that. Maybe you just need to pray for somebody else and now you have a better understanding of how to do that. And there's some specific things that you want to ask of God and you need a specific place to do that. The prayer room is that specific place. And if you want others to join you, Danny will make sure that they're there. They'll join you and they will pray with you. Why don't you stand with me and we'll pray together now and then Ray will come and close our service. Father in heaven, to think about what it means to be qualified is it's convicting and it's humbling. But if we can move our way through those two things, we will discover that it is wonderful. Thank you for what you have done for us through your son. That type of love seems, it just seems so foreign to us. But Lord, once we've been covered by it, it's life-changing. So thank you for that. I know there are people here today that, that have yet to take a, a step into your great love. I pray they will. And I pray, Father, if there are barriers between them and grace, you'll tear those down today. And I pray that they will grow in all knowledge of who you are. I pray that they will grow in great wisdom. I pray that they will bear fruit as your children. I pray that they'll do so with all endurance and patience and joy. I pray that you will replace the pain in their life with healing. And I pray that they will give testimony of all that you have done and they will do so with thanksgiving. And I pray that that will happen quickly. Thank you for hearing our prayers, Lord. Thank you for hearing our prayers for ourselves and others. I pray that you will open our eyes 
that we can see your responses. In Jesus' name, amen.